Thanks for joining us here at Temple Baptist Church in Centralia, Illinois, where we are a community of people who are not perfect and don't pretend to be. If you would like to see other resources or learn more about our ministry, check out www.tbccentralia.com. Our hope and prayer is that through the following message, you are encouraged, blessed, and inspired to meet the Lord in a powerful way. God is good, and all the time, amen. Again, I, I just keep saying how good it is for everyone to be here, and, and uh, I am so thankful that you come. You know, it's hard to preach to an empty house. It really is, and, and I appreciate you, you all coming. And, and uh, this odd-looking fellow way over here, that's my big little brother, in case you don't know. Uh, he come to, to be with us this morning, and... Uh, I'm not going to brag on him, so I'm not going to tell you any stories either, believe it or not. <laughs> uh, <coughs> today is, what's, what's happening this afternoon, this evening? The Super Bowl. How many football fans we got? Uh, we got a few, we got a few. How many of you are not going to watch Super Bowl? <laughs> Uh, <coughs> where I grew up, Patoka High School did not have a football team, so therefore I know absolutely nothing, and I mean nothing, about football. I know that it's a kind of an odd-shaped ball. It's hard to throw, it's hard to catch, and if you don't throw it right, it, it goes like this down through the air, and, and uh, that's about all I know about it, other than the people that uh, when you go to watch a, a football game, uh, Kay and I went one time, one of our grandsons was, he, he played a couple of games of football, and, and we went to a game, and we were sitting there in the bleachers out at the, the old high school out there by, when they were playing football out there by the old high school, and we sat there, and we said, what's Preston's number? Because we couldn't see their faces. I had to figure out what his number was, and you know what? He'd quit the, the, the night before, and we sat out there watching watch people run around, and we didn't know who they were. That's how much we know about football. <coughs> but I do know a little bit about baseball. I do know a little bit about basketball. And uh, if, if I get out of line and the referee throws the, throws the yellow flag in, I don't know what that means because that's a football thing. But, you know, <laughs> if he goes like this, I know it's a travel and there's a few other things. But anyway... I want to talk to you about playing a game because I don't know enough about football to talk about it. And uh, uh, we are all in a game of life. Right? And it's a hard game. I want you to notice the title of my message this morning. What is it? Now, there's a difference between being game ready and ready for the game. You say, now, Ray, that's just a play on words. You don't know what you're talking about. But there's a big difference between being ready for the game and being game ready. And as I was thinking about this and, and, and pondering on it, we all 
if we are sports-oriented at all and watch any games, we all get ready for the game. Now, come spring training and baseball time, whether you know it or not, I'm kind of a Cubs fan. <laughs> I didn't know whether you realized that or not. But anyway, okay, I need a lot of prayer. <laughs> Ignore the amen over there. <laughs> but anyway... Whenever the baseball season comes and I get ready to watch a game, I get me a big old bowl of microwave popcorn and get my, my either my green tea or my Propel or a, a diet soda and I head for the recliner. I got my remote, I got my popcorn, I got my drink, and I'm in my favorite chair and I am ready for the game to start. I am ready. I am ready for the first pitch. I am ready for the game to start because I know good and well I'm going to watch three innings, sleep three innings, and watch three innings. In that, in that exact sequence, it happens every time. So if anything happens in the middle of the game, I've just missed it. But anyway... I am ready for the game to start. Now, the difference between being ready for the game to start and being game ready is the players get game ready. In football, before the game starts, they get their helmets, they get their cleats, they get their shoulder pads, they get their mouth guards, they get all that stuff together. And they are physically ready to play the game. Now, as I look around here, I don't see any physical specimens ready to play football or baseball <laughs> or probably basketball. We get at, we, we try, but are we physically ready to play the game? Are we ready? I could play baseball other than if I hit it, I would have to hit a home run because I can't run from first to second without, without running out of air. <laughs> so I'm not game ready. But in life, we have to be game ready. As a Christian, we have to be ready to play the game and not watch the game. And so many Christians, Christians, I'll put that in air quotes, once in a while, are ready to watch the game and not play the game. You see, it takes an effort to play the game, and we have to be prepared. And I'm going to be in the, the sixth chapter of the book of Ephesians is where I'm going to be, and I'm going to be talking about the armor of God, and I'm going to be talking about getting prepared for the game and being game ready instead of ready for the game. Every time I go to the sixth chapter of Ephesians, I think back when I was a kid, and, and uh, I think my parents probably sent us to Bible school, to VBS. And by the way, we're having VBS this year, and if you'd like to sign up and, and be a part of VBS, see Alicia and Brian, and they will take care of getting you signed up. But whenever we were kids, we lived at Pontoon Beach, and, and uh, that's just a, actually it's just, it's about a half a mile from where Carrie's folks live now, after I've talked to them a little bit. But... They would send us to VBS every chance that they got. I don't know whether they wanted to get rid of us or 
you know, my brother was such the bad kid. And they, they sent us to this one particular Bible school, and the memory verse, and I think mom had something to do with this, the memory verse was Ephesians 6.1. Take a read of that. And I'm going to tell you what it says. It says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And I'm sure that mom said, you drive that in those two boys' head. <laughs> and every time I am in the sixth chapter of Ephesians, I think of that, that wonderful lady who taught us that and how mom was so happy when we come home. And she said, what's your memory verse for today? As if she didn't know. <laughs> uh, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. But as I was uh, thinking about today, Every game starts in the locker room. Every game starts with the coach or someone giving the pep talk. We can do this. You boys can do this. You're as good as they are. Don't let them get into your head. We can win. We need to win Win for the coach. We need to win for the team. We need to win for the school. We need to win for the fans. We need to win and, and work them up and get them all psyched up. In the locker room, yesterday, yesterday afternoon, uh, uh, after the funeral, we went down to, to the uh, state, the Southern Illinois Junior High School State uh, so Athletic Association team play, uh, playoffs at uh, uh, Wren Lake. The raccoon boys were playing. I have a grandson who plays on that team. My brother has two grandsons that play on that team, and they, they have played together since they were in the first grade, and they are really, really, really good. And they come out the beginning, of the, the beginning of the game, and they had in their head, and this is Ray, what he observed, that we can beat them no matter what. And at the end of the half, they were down by nine. They went back at halftime. They always go back to the locker room, and the coach gives them another pep talk. And they come out, and they played ball like you've never seen before. At the end of the third quarter, they were up by three. And thought they had it made. Six seconds to go. They were, they were up by two. Six seconds to go. The other team shot a three-point shot and they lost the game. Heartbreaking loss. But the point I wanted to bring out here is when they went to the locker room at halftime, they got a pep talk. They got a pep talk. And we, as Christians, we need a pep talk every once in a while. We need the coach to come out and say, you know, you can do this, and, and it, you have the ability to do this, and you're good enough to do it. And once in a while, we, we, take, we look at ourselves and say, no, I, I can't do that. I can't be a greeter. I can't work in a nursery. And by the way, Gary, I think maybe Shirley's going to take you up on that, just so you have to spend a day in the nursery. <laughs> uh, but Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10 through 13 we get a pep talk finally my brethren be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might I really love that verse be strong in the Lord don't rely on your own strength. Don't rely on yourself. But be strong in the Lord because the God that I serve is able to do anything. Amen? 
<laughs> said, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might and put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God and that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all, stand. Another one of my favorite verses. Get prepared. Get your gear on. It's game on. It's time for us to, to stop just watching the game and to participate. It's time for all of us Christians to walk out there and say, Okay, Satan, here we come. And you know what? If we say in the name of the Lord and in the power of his might, Satan has to retreat. But if we're not careful, we say, Oh, I can't do that. But in that verse 13... In the pep talk in the locker room, the Bible tells us after we get our armor on that we're able to withstand anything. Anything in the evil day. And then after you've done everything you can do, what's it say to do? Stand. There's no retreat. There's no giving up. But stand. And stand firm for the Lord. Now, some people call us hard-headed Baptists. Have you ever been called a hard-headed Baptist? Yeah, I am. Yeah. And I am. My wife says I'm hard-headed, and I say she's hard-headed. And you know, how, you know how to win that? Who wins that argument? The one that gives up? The one that gives up first? The other is the most hard-headed. <laughs> My wife doesn't like that because I, I quit intentionally. <laughs> but we need to stand firm for the gospel. We need to stand firm whenever we've done all that we can do. When it seems like we're at the end of our rope. It seems like everything has turned against us. The Bible says still stand. Don't give up. Don't lay down. Don't retreat. But stand firm for the, for the gospel. Because I want to tell you something. No matter what you think about this old book, it is absolutely true. Every word of it is true. And you can stand on the word of God. And you can stand on the truth that he has for us. And I'm trying to still give you this pep talk. My friend, we need to go out and work for the Lord. I believe every word in this book. And I tell people... Right down here on the cover, it says genuine leather. I believe a cow died for my Bible. That's how much I believe this book. Now, you've had your pep talk. Now get your gear on. Get your equipment on. Get ready for the fight. Get ready for the battle. Because, my friend, we're facing a very strong foe. The people that we're playing is not just some team that doesn't know how to play. I told you about the raccoon devils. I wanted to wear a raccoon devils shirt, but I thought maybe that might not be appropriate to preach in with devils across my chest. <laughs> They're blue. <laughs> a couple of weeks ago, they played a team and won 103 to 17. 
Now, I tell you that not because I'm proud of the score, but I'm telling you that because some adversaries that we face are easy to beat. And then there are some adversaries that we face are like the game that went yesterday. It's a hard fight. Some people will surrender to the gospel quickly, and some people will not. Some people you have to continue work and work and work, but you need to get your equipment on because there is going to be a fight and there is going to be a battle. On down into that book of Ephesians, starting in verse 14, it says, Stand therefore, having <coughs> girded your waist with truth and having put on the, bless, the breastplate of righteousness. Whose righteousness is righteous? Only Jesus Christ. Yours, the Bible says, is as filthy rags. In other words, your righteousness is nothing. But when we put on the righteousness of God, we are protected by his righteousness. It says that the breastplate of right, the breastplate, uh, uh, breastplate, I'll get that right, of righteousness is, is uh, all on Jesus. And we must take on his righteousness and then do our very, very best to live a righteous life. Amen? So many times they think, well, I'm saved, I'm Southern Baptist, so once I'm saved, I'm always saved, and, and I can do whatever I want. I'm going to tell you something, that's the most dangerous doctrine that the Southern Baptists have. We need to tell people it takes endurance. We need to be telling people that there's no place to give up and no place to sit down. I don't know how many funerals that I've done. And, and someone says, well, he was baptized when he was 13, and he was 87 and hadn't been in church for 42 years. Makes me wonder, was he really saved? Probably not, but I'm not the judge. But God is. But we need to take on his righteousness. The next thing I want you to look at, is verse 15 says, having, your, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Do your shoes fit? Is my question. Do your shoes fit? As I was thinking about this, uh, I think of some of you ladies who have 30 and 40 pairs of shoes. Got any of you ladies that got that habit? They're all saying, no, but I've got 15. <laughs> and do they all fit? Oh, sure. Well, then why don't you wear them once in a while? <laughs> About to get myself in trouble. <laughs> Notice I have on tennis shoes today. I usually wear my cowboy boots. If I'm going to play sports, I've got to have on tennis shoes. I may have tried to ever run a race in cowboy boots or high heels. It doesn't work, does it? <laughs> yeah. Or some of you ladies that wear those real high heels, you know, you wear them, and as soon as you sit down, you kick them off. Because, why? Because they hurt your feet, because they don't fit well. This scripture tells us we need to have our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. What's the gospel? The gospel is the good, true news of Jesus Christ. And we have to have, be prepared to walk and be prepared to run in this game of life 
not to run away, but to run to, so that we can help others in Jesus Christ. Now, verse 16 says, Above all, taking the shield of faith, <coughs> which, you, which you will be able to withstand the, uh, the, the uh, which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. We have to play a defensive game. Whenever I was watching that ball game yesterday, there was a guy sitting right behind me, and he thought he was coaching that team. And about through the third quarter, I heard him, I heard him and his wife talking, and he said, oh, that's just the coach of me. He said, I'm going to try to be quiet. And then, then he goes out there and says, he hollers at each boy, do this, do that, do this, do this, do that. And he was playing a defensive, he was wanting to play the defensive game right there from the stands. And I'm, I almost turned around and said, you know, why don't you let the coach do that? But anyway, I got home and took some Advil and everything was okay. <coughs> but we have to play a defensive game. Because Satan is out there playing against us. And we don't always have the ball in our court. So we have to be able to defend what we believe. Has anyone ever asked you, why are you a Baptist? Why? Well, my folks were Baptist. That's not a good answer. Well, my grandparents were, were Baptists, so that's not a good answer. You have to know why you believe and what you believe. I believe that the Baptist is the closest to following the Bible. That's the reason I'm a Baptist. Because we believe that Jesus Christ died for our sins. And the equipment that I have whenever I need to play defensive is I take on the shield of faith. In 17, and then we're going to move on from equipment because my cough drop's about gone and I'm not done. You got some more? Okay. <laughs> and take the helmet of salvation and a sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. I like the helmet of salvation. Football. Everybody wears a helmet, right? Baseball, the batters all wear a helmet. The only helmet I had at home was a cardinal, so I wasn't going to bring it. And that's a long story why I got it. <laughs> but it's to protect this old noggin up here. It's to protect the way we think. There's so many things going on in the football now about concussions and even catchers in baseball about concussions. They have, to, they have to set out so many games on kind of, on kind of their, their, their rules dealing with concussions because a blow in the head will put you down. And we have a helmet of salvation. There is no better protection for you in this world than salvation. You see, salvation is the reason that we do what we do. With the salvation that we have, it is there for us for our protection. 
And it, it is something that, that we, cannot, we cannot do without. That, that is our one thing that we really, really, really have to have is that helmet of salvation. We cannot, we cannot go through life without it. Oh, we can go through life, but we cannot go through death without it. And the sword of the Spirit, which is this right here. Here's your sword. I made a trip to Honduras several years ago. Matter of fact, I made, I think, three trips. And a very dear lady friend of mine, her, her husband was, was kind of the leader of our team and, and uh, uh, someone that I really, really, really looked up to. And we, were, we had come back to the airport in Houston from our first leg of our flight. And whenever we were coming back, we had to go pass through customs because we were coming in from out of the country. And th this lady had her carry-on bag, and, and she went up and she threw, threw it on the, on the uh, conveyor there, and, and it went through, and I was right behind her. And, and Sister Betty was just one of the greatest, wonderful Christian people you had ever met. And as I was... I was talking to her, and, and we were kind of talking, and, and pretty soon the guards come up, and, and they grabbed her by the arm, and they pulled her kind of off to the side, and I'm looking and said, what's, what's going on with Betty? And her bag goes through, and, and they pull her through, and, and uh, she says, what, what's the matter? And they said, there's a possible sword in your luggage. The x-ray shows a sword in your carry-on. And... Betty was one of these kind of people who would do anything for anybody. And she started to grab the bag, and they pulled her hands away from her and said, No, you've got to stay away from it. We're going to open it up. And they opened that thing up, and they pulled it open, and they reached in there, and they pulled out her Bible. True story. They went through the rest of her, her carry-on, and there was nothing there but her sword. When you carry this, and I hope and pray that you all do, and, and I'm as guilty as anyone else because I carry one of these. But you know what? In this, there's one of these. But this does not witness like this does. And when you come to church, I hope that you all carry one of these. So you've got your equipment. You've had your pep talk. The game has progressed. And one good thing about being a Christian is there's always a victory. There is always a victory. The last part of my message, I want to talk to you about the victory. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 18 and 19. Now I'm going to close. I've spoken a lot longer than what I usually do, and, but uh, that's okay. Will you give me five more minutes? How many of you give me five more minutes? Raise your hand. Five, 10, 15, 20. <laughs> uh, praying always with prayer and supplications. In the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplications 
for all the saints. And for me, that utterance may be given to me that I may open my mouth boldly and make known the mystery of the gospel. You see, the victory is when we realize what the mystery of the gospel is. And when we share the mystery with other people, we have won the victory. Because God did not just save us so that we can go to heaven. But he saved us so we could take others with us. The victory for us, the final victory, the very end, the World Series, the Super Bowl of life is when we stand at the judgment bar and Jesus looks at us and says, Enter in, thou good and faithful servant. That, my friend, is the Super Bowl of life. When we get to enter into the glories of heaven, that's the victory. But as we go through life, we come on Sunday morning to get our pep talk. We should put our gear on. We should put our equipment on and look for the victory. Every team that plays, whenever they're getting out and going ready to go on the court or on the field or on the diamond, their main goal is to win. And us in the game of life, we have the greatest player of all history helping us. He died on a cross, but defeated death. And by him defeating death, tells me that I can defeat death. You see, I have kind of a strange concept about why the stone was rolled away on Easter morning. It wasn't so Jesus could get out. It was so that we could see in and see that death could not conquer our Lord and Savior. And if we are going to be Christ-like, which is what Christians mean, then we can conquer death just like Jesus did through him, through him. If you've accepted Christ as your Savior, the victory is yours. The Bible tells me we're more than conquerors. And the only way to be more than conqueror or more than a winner is to have someone win for you. And Jesus done that. Do you know Jesus as your Savior? Are you equipped for this game of life? Do you need more pep talk? Or do you need more preparation? Do you need to spend more time in prayer? Do you need to spend more time in your Bible? If you do, here's a good place to make things right. If you don't know this Jesus that I'm talking about, if you don't have the helmet of salvation, let me talk to you and tell you how to get it. Because I talk to my Lord and Savior every day. I know him personally. Brother Gary and the praise team, if you would come. This game of life is serious. It's not just a one-time thing. 
as I was thinking about the ball game yesterday, all the kids, eighth grade boys, were crying because they lost by one point. It was a heartbreaker. But if you are prepared to play this game of life, there's not going to be a six-second three-point shot and make you lose because Jesus has won the game for you if you are ready and playing on his team. Stand with me, please. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in and through your life, and we would love to continue with you on that journey. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, simply go to www.tbccentralia.com forward slash next. You see, here at TBCC, it's our mission to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ who walk by faith and not by sight.